0: Welcome to the Thinking Christian Podcast, your weekly guide to solid Christian thinking on culture, science, faith, and Christian confidence, hosted by Tom Gilson. Hello, I'm Tom Gilson with the Thinking Christian Podcast. What is critical race theory and how do Christians best understand it? More importantly, perhaps, how do leaders in the church help people in their churches understand it? How do pastors help their people understand it? Should pastors help their people understand critical race theory? I think the answer is a definite yes, but the difficulty is knowing what to say and how to teach it. Today, in cooperation with The Stream at stream.org, where I'm a senior editor, I begin a new series of pastor explainer articles, sermons, and sample sermons. You will find information on this on my blog at Thinking Christian. I will link to that in the program notes, and you will find information further at the stream, and I will provide information on how you can connect to that. Our purpose here is to help pastors with some of the things that we tend to specialize in at the stream, current events in Christian perspective. Today, critical race theory. We will begin by asking, how does the question even matter in church? Why should we talk about it? This is a sample sermon, something that you could use in church to preach, and you have our permission to do that. I would ask that you give credit where you got the material from. But as a sample sermon, you'll probably find there's more content in here than you would want to share with your congregation in one sitting. I've intentionally chosen to err on the side of too much rather than too little information, as I know it's easier for you to remove than to add this kind of material. Except for this, I don't have a lot of illustrations in here, either personal stories or even stories from the news. It's mostly just plain old factual information. I'm not suggesting that this is how you'll want to preach it. A sermon needs stories, just not my stories. You'll want to use yours. And so, with that, I begin. I'd like you to open the scriptures with me. We're going to begin by looking at the book of Galatians in chapter one, verses six through ten galatians one six through ten, where Paul says. If anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. That is the word of the Lord in Galatians 1, 6-10. And there's strong words in there. Paul brought the Galatians' good news, the news of Jesus Christ crucified and resurrected, the news of new life in him, of freedom from sin, of life in the Spirit. It's a good life. It's eternal life, life with the God who loves us. But there were false teachers there, teachers who came in to impose ungodly rules, to take away the Galatians' freedom to follow God in Christ through the life of the Holy Spirit. That came with all kinds of restrictions and demands, and do you see how strongly Paul speaks out against them? Accursed. It's the same word in the Greek that we use sometimes in English, anathema, but Paul's language is even stronger than what we use that word for. He's talking about eternal condemnation. We have false teachers like that today, teachers that well, it's not our place to say whether they deserve condemnation, but their teaching certainly does and we have one very prominent set of new false teachings it's it's actually overrun the country. You can be sure that it would get Paul's strong condemnation in spite of the fact that it's in all the news. It's even made its way into the church. It looks good on the surface or at least it does to a lot of people. You can get a lot of social approval, pats on the back from a lot of people for following it. But as Paul says in chapter 1, verse 10 of Galatians here, trying to please men means you cannot please God. You cannot be a servant of Christ. And so I'm sure you're wondering what this new false teaching is, this widely popular new false teaching. Well, it's critical race theory. Critical race theory. Yes, it is a false teaching, It's wrong in ways that conflict with the truth that we know is true in Jesus Christ. It overlaps with Christianity. It competes with it in many, many ways. So many ways, I think you could just about call it a new religion. It doesn't talk about God. It doesn't talk about God, but it's got all the other elements of a religion. It talks about right and wrong. It has sin in it. It has confession. It has repentance It has a vision of a perfect future world, and it has an explanation of how this one went wrong. Really, in critical race theory, we have an ultimate concern, along with all these other elements that go in religions, how we're supposed to live and why we're supposed to live that way. So, because it qualifies as a false religion or close to it, we are going to take a look at CRT this morning, critical race theory. We're going to look at Christianity, too and we're going to compare them. I'll have to be brief with this, naturally, and there's a whole lot more that we won't be able to cover, but I'm going to do all I can in the time available here to show you how Christianity answers some of life's most basic questions and how CRT has answers to those same questions, but they're different answers, different in hugely important ways. And in the end, I think you'll see that even though CRT has some things going for it, We have to watch out for it very carefully. Before we get there, though, before we start talking about what it gets right or wrong, probably ought to take some time just to define what we're talking about. What is critical race theory? You know, if you listen to people who support CRT, they'll say that everyone who opposes it does it without knowing what they're talking about. So we really need to know. So yeah, what is critical race theory? Listen to their proponents, and they'll tell you it's a new way to understand black experience in America, that it's a new approach to solving the problem of racism, that it that it has original ideas, uh, new ways to achieve justice for persons of all skin colors. That's the claim. And sure, it does that. It, it's a new way to understand the black experience and the a new way to solve racism, a new way to achieve justice. But the question isn't whether it's new. Its question is whether it's good. The question is whether it's right. On the surface, because it approaches those questions, because it it, it deals with those questions that are so important about race and about relationships and about harming America, on the surface, it looks like a good idea. It looks good. So we do not criticize CRT for wanting to solve racial problems. People who oppose CRT, we get accused of, of wanting to avoid CRT to, because we're racist, or we want to avoid conversations about race, or because we want to avoid awareness of race problems. Even we want to keep whites in control. The accusation is that opposing CRT means that you are a racist, My answer to that is no, it is not racist. My disagreement with critical race theory is not about its wanting to solve racism. My disagreement with it is wanting to do it in a bad way, wanting to do it poorly, wanting to do it in a way that conflicts with the truth as we know it from the word of God. And the word of God has much to say about race. We who follow Jesus Believe that all people are created in God's image. The Declaration of Independence got it right. All men are created equal. All women, too. Nothing could be clearer in all the scriptures. Go back to the very beginning. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. God said, let us make man in our image. This is in the creation account. Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. Three times in there it says, Let us make man in our image, or in the image of God he created him. Three times we are in the image of God, that means that we have the worth, we have the reflected glory, we have the value, and it's equal. It is all of us that we have this value in God by being creatures of God, created by Him for His glory out of His love. We can look further in the book of Galatians again, chapter 3, verses 26 to 28. Where Paul says, in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. The context here, of course, he's talking to people who are in Christ, those who were baptized into Christ, that there is no distinction between ethnic groups, but it grows out of a wider context that we see revealed in Jesus' teaching in his final words according to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. The, the passage that's often called the Great Commission. Jesus tells them, final words, important words. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. The word in the Greek is ethne the word that we get ethnic groups from. Later in Acts chapter 10, we see the gospel being opened up, not just to Jews, but to people of all nations. In the first chapters of Galatians, you'll see the story of the apostle Paul making sure that the Christian church was really taking the gospel to all nations. Look at Acts chapter 15, the same thing. And why? It's because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's whoever. People of all races. And, you know, we've actually followed his example. If you look back through church history, you'll find that we followed his teachings there. I don't mean we followed it perfectly. Of course, we've had failures we could dwell on those failures. We could uh, we could confess them. We could repent of them. But in these days, I think it may be more important to recall that we've done some good things, some very good things. In fact, I'll give you just one example, cross-cultural compassion. Every family, every community, down through history, every family and community has always taken care of their own people. Everyone takes care of their own. But you can see this down through history, that Christianity is the first group of people who went out of their way to provide education, medical help, agricultural help, humanitarian aid, and to give it to people from completely different countries, languages, religions, and races. Christianity invented cross-cultural compassion. Actually, Jesus Christ did, and we're just following him in it. Christianity is anti-racist we are opposed to racism. To follow Jesus is to be opposed to racism, and to be opposed to racism not just by having an opinion, but by treating people as equally human, as equally worthy, as equally loved by God, whether they're the same skin color, the same language group, the same whatever, that we treat people as equally human in God's image. These are good things to pursue. Critical race theory claims to pursue it also. The reason I don't agree with CRT, people get it wrong all the time, it's not because I or any of us want racism to continue. It's because CRT has wrong answers to approaching the problem. Christianity isn't racist. Christianity led the way in addressing and dealing with racism and and showing the right way to treat people of different ethnic groups. Centuries ago, So, what is critical race theory anyway? It's been said there's no short definition, and it's true because there are a lot of different takes on it. It comes in multiple different versions, but we're going to work on defining it anyway because we can get there. We can get at least close. There's no official definition, even uh, different critical race theorists will say it in different ways. Oh, and by the way, Critical race theorists, uh, the ones who do the thinking and writing in in favor of critical race theory, they call themselves crits, C-R-I-T-S. I'll use that word too. So different crits will define it in different ways. Now, everyone agrees that it started out as an academic and a legal approach. It began with a Harvard Law School professor named Derek Bell back in the 1970s. It started that long ago? Are you surprised to hear that? It hasn't made the news until recently because it stayed pretty much contained in the universities. Of course, that means that they were teaching it to our kids there, or maybe they taught it to you. But it was mostly academic. Now, the original crits, they didn't mean for it to stay totally academic. They had change in mind. And they were impatient. And that's not my criticism. That's a word they use for themselves. They looked at all the advances in race relations that happened during the Civil rights era. They looked at all those advances and they said, that's fine. That's fine. Thank you very much. That's good. But it's not enough. We got the laws we wanted, but we didn't get equality out of it. We didn't get equality, so it wasn't enough, and it's never going to be enough as long as we keep doing it that way because the problem isn't just laws, and it isn't just people's attitudes. America was built by whites for whites. Whites are dominant. They're so dominant, they've been so dominant so very long, they hardly even know how dominant they are. All the thinking, all the institutions, all the systems, they're all white. So, yeah, whites have built structures and systems and institutions that fit their whiteness. And and these same structures and systems and institutions are not friendly to blacks. So while we've been trying to fix racism, they use the word incremental, meaning one step at a time, one law at a time, one person's attitude at a time. While we've been trying to fix racism incrementally, it's not solving the structure problems. We need to change the structures. We need to tear them down. We need to replace them. So you ask which structures, which systems, which institutions, and that's where they get vague. It's hard to get a clear answer. They talk a lot about structural racism or systemic racism. But when we ask them which structures or systems, you don't get a clear answer. If they do spell it out, it's, it's more clear, but it's more troublesome. And again, I'm not just criticizing. I'm virtually quoting. They're impatient, they say, with our Constitution. They're impatient with our nation's dreams and efforts for equality. They're impatient with incremental change, which means they want sudden change, huge change, not just changes at the fringes. We're talking about revolution, revolution aimed at our legal system, sometimes even our constitution. Do you remember last summer, the summer of 2020, the defund the police campaign? That was part of it. They considered it a white system, and they're going to say, we're going to tear away at it. We're going to break it down. And, you know, I don't know if the crits said we need to go to major cities like Portland and Seattle and set them on fire. I don't know that they'd be happy that people took them that way. But when they use the word revolution in their textbooks, and they do, people take them seriously. There's a straight line between the thinking that you see in critical race writings and the behavior you saw on the streets in many cities last summer. Revolutionary behavior, destructive behavior. That's really what it was born for. It was born for revolution. Crits take racism as pretty much the whole story in life, the only problem, where, and and so CRT is the only answer to life's problems. You've noticed on the news, haven't you, how just about everything that can get labeled racism does get labeled racism, and some things that can't even seriously be labeled racism get labeled that way anyway. It's like racism is almost the only sin you have to watch out against committing. CRT acts and lives as though racism is the only problem in town, and it acts like it's the one big answer to the one big problem. So that gives you a taste of what I would consider to be some of the really dangerous and disturbing features or beliefs that are in critical race theory. But it doesn't get us all the way to where I started, which is calling it a false gospel. So I need to explain that, and I'm going to do it by going through five questions, five very basic questions about reality, and comparing how critical race theory deals with these questions with the way Christianity, the truth of Christianity, answers these five basic questions. You'll see that each of them have beliefs in these areas. You'll see that there's conflict, that there's competition. If Christianity is true, then critical race theory is leading us down not just dangerous paths, but wrong paths. Wrong paths that really make it a false gospel. These are the questions. I'm going to answer it both from a Christian and a CRT perspective so you can see the contrast. There are five of them. The first question is really fundamental. What is ultimate reality? You know, for Christians, the question would be, who do you think God is? Or what do you think about God? But we're not going to assume that people think anything about God. We're just going to ask, what do you think about ultimate reality? Here's the Christian answer. It's really quite clear. God is ultimate reality, and everything else derives from him and through him and, and, and exists for him and for his glory. That is ultimate reality. God. Now, what if you ask a, a crit, what is ultimate reality? The answer you're going to get might be might be something like, "What? What are you asking me that for? What what's the point of that? We don't talk about that around here. We don't talk about ultimate reality. We've got bigger problems to solve. We got I mean real problems, big ones. We got racism to solve. In other words, you don't hear talk in critical race theory about God. You might in some places, I understand that, especially in progressive Christianity. But in that case, the God that they're talking about is, is not really quite ultimate. He kind of follows their lead. So in, in the case of Christianity, ultimate reality is God, the most high, the most holy, the one we are to worship. In critical race theory, it kind of doesn't matter. That's wrong. It gets more wrong. The second question is, what does it mean to be human? In Christianity, that answer is not hard to come by. I've already given it to you. It means we're specially created by a good, loving, and holy God in his image. And our purpose, what we're meant for, is to reflect his goodness and his love and his holiness. Ask a crit that? They don't have a formal answer to the question, but if you read their literature, and you try to pick up what do they think about what it means to be human, what you'll find is that the most important thing about us is our race. Not that we're created in God's image, but that we have separate races that we're a part of. It's weird because crits will often say that race isn't a real thing, that it doesn't have a biological basis for it, and we shouldn't treat it as real. They say that. They say that, but they keep on acting as if the most important thing about us is our skin color. Do you see the difference? Do you see how different that is? But the differences continue, and they're very important. The third question out of five, the third question gets to more of that. It's the question about what we're after in life. What's the ideal? What's the thing we're, we're really hoping to achieve, to be, to become, in order to have the best life possible? Well, Christianity We have an answer. Our best life is a life that's lived in relationship with God, modeled after Jesus Christ's life. Jesus Christ, who obeyed the Father in all things, and thereby, because we do that, we're going to experience God's goodness in all kinds of ways. He has blessing, his love, his life in us. That's the best possible life. But if you ask a critical race theorist what's the best possible life we should live for, they might brush it aside and say, who's, who's worried about the best possible life? What we want is racial equity. Equity, racial equity, which means we have an equal distribution of power between the races. The word power really comes into play in critical race theory. Equal distribution of power, and it's a specific kind of power. It's money and politics, That's what social justice is about. You've heard social justice spoken about over and over again. For critical race theorists, social justice means equal power between the races. The ideal life that we should strive for is equity. That people in groups, measured in groups, come out the same in power, economic and political power. So there's nothing in there about God. There's not even anything about quality of relationships. It's a very thin and narrow and, I think, stunted view of life. And it's wrong. Question number three, what is the basic human problem? What is it that keeps us from achieving that ideal life? Well, the basic human problem Christians understand to be sin, that we've disobeyed God, that we've lost connection with him, that we've become rebellious against him, and that every other problem that we have from relational hurts to sickness to death, every other problem is a direct result of our rebellion toward God. Ask a critical race theorist, what's the basic human problem? And really the problem is whites in charge. Whites are in charge. Whites have been in charge for so long they don't even know how much in charge they are It's a world by whites and for whites. The problem in one word is whiteness. Whiteness is the problem. The problem in two words is white dominance or white power. That is so far from the reality that we all have an individual accountability before God. It is wrong. But it leads to a wrong answer to the next and and last question, which is okay, we've got a problem, how do we solve it? How does that basic human problem get solved? Well, for Christians, the answer is clear. God solved the problem for us. Thank God. He solved it by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross and pay the penalty for our sins and then to rise from death. That opened the door so that God could forgive us. So that he could forgive us and and do it not just willy-nilly, not just arbitrarily, but with justice because the penalty for our sins has been paid already. It also meant that God had conquered death through the resurrection of Jesus. So that solves the other huge human problem, which is that because of sin, death entered the world So, our part in that, we do have a part in it. God initiated the solution. Our part in it is to put true faith in Jesus, living faith in Jesus, and then to walk with him toward maturity, growing in knowledge, growing in faith, growing in love. That's our part. But God really initiated it, and he did it by solving the sin problem for us through Jesus Christ. Critical race theory has an answer to that question too, though. How do we solve the basic human problem? Well, since blacks aren't the problem, they don't have any problem to solve. It's just this is a solution for whites. Whites are the only ones who have a problem. And whites can't change their skin color, but they can get woke about it. Woken up to what it means to be white, that we have privilege, and we can check that privilege. Checking our privilege means realizing how much better we have it as whites. I'm speaking as a white man myself. There's a sense in which we're supposed to be ashamed of it and to just kind of renounce it and let go of it. We can't renounce our whiteness. That is, we can't change our skin color, but we can renounce the whiteness that comes with it, the power, the dominance. We can just feel bad about it, really. And yet nothing's really going to change. Nothing's going to change any time at all until we topple all these racist structures that haven't been defined very well. Look, this is false gospel. This is false gospel. Did you pick up on the big difference in how we solve our basic human problem? That for Christians it's forgiveness, it's freedom in Christ. Paul said in Galatians that it was for freedom that Christ set us free. So why be subject again to a yoke of bondage, meaning bondage to rules? This is a system that wants to totally overturn life in order to solve the basic problems of humanity By means of legalism, shaming, impossible change, no forgiveness, no grace, nothing but rules that need to be followed, and even if you follow the rules, there's no hope for those who are white, and there's no hope of improving yourself. It's got a lack of definition, and yet it's supposed to change our lives, make the world better? That's really the very definition of false gospel and it's wrong. There's a lot more to CRT. There's stuff that I really disagree with, stuff I seriously dislike, but we don't need to go into all that. That's on the surface. What we've done here is we've looked at the heart of it instead, the core of it, where it is badly diseased. It's diseased on the inside, and that means that no matter how things look on the outside, you know it has to be diseased where it really counts. It's enough to make it a false gospel. It's enough for us to treat it as the Apostle Paul treated every other false gospel, to call it out as deadly wrong. And that's why I'm calling out CRT today. It is deadly wrong. Now, I know that some here will be surprised by that. Some will be taken aback, thinking, but I thought it was right. Some will be thinking, I still think it's right. Some will be disturbed. Some of you will be glad I said what I did. Some of you will have a lot to think over. I understand that. I think the answer is clear though, and we have to recognize it as such. Well, finally, what do you do? What do you do with all this information about critical race theory? I think first of all, it's important simply to know whether CRT is the right answer. I I hope it's clear. And if not, I hope you'll give serious consideration to what I've had to share here today. If you are convinced as I am that CRT is a bad idea, then pray. Pray, because it is such a strong influence. By the way, I couldn't go into this, but critical race theory is a subset of a larger set of theories called critical theory. And critical theory has roots in Marxism. It extends into other areas, such as homosexuality and gender and a host of other things. It's really kind of an all-encompassing description of what we need to pray about in this country. Just be in prayer that the country could wake up to the truth of God in Jesus Christ. And you need to know that truth. Know it. Know it. Know the Word of God and understand what He's saying. Understand it's true and, and trust Christ with your life. You'll get into disputes with people who like CRT. I know you will. When that happens, this is my final word to you today. When that happens, don't attack them. Don't even go as strong as I have here today. I, In relationship with other people, I suggest that you ask questions instead. Jesus used questions all the time, hundreds of times even, and he did it to get at truth, and he did it to get at truth in a, in a really uh, relational way. Earlier here, I asked five questions about what CRT believes. You could ask those questions too. Or maybe a first one would just be to ask a person, How do you think critical race theory will help bring about racial harmony? They talk about social justice. They've left harmony behind. Ask how it can bring about racial harmony. Then when you ask it, listen. Just listen to what they have to say. Then ask them if you have time. Ask them what led you to that conclusion. What information, what studies, what perspective, what philosophy led you to that conclusion? Listen some more. And then do you see any potential problems there? Maybe they'll realize on their own that they've missed some points, that there really are potential problems there, that there are real problems there. And maybe then they'll ask you for your opinion also. And that's when you can begin to share the truth of God and Jesus Christ and highlight some of the differences between the gospel of Jesus and the false gospel, the false good news that's really bad news. Of critical race theory. Do not use this as a pretense to be racist. Use it as an encouragement to love and to love in truth. Well, that concludes this first sample sermon in the series that we're doing here between The Stream and Thinking Christian as a service to pastors to help clarify some of the complicated and challenging issues of the day, and especially to help you as pastors do the same for your church members. Now again, remember I said at the beginning that this is not something you'd want to deliver in this form, that you'd want to add some illustrations that fit your setting there, and maybe remove some of the material, because I intentionally included more than you might want to share with your congregation on a given Sunday morning. That was intentional. We give you permission to use this material freely. That's the purpose. But we do ask that you give credit to the stream and to Tom Gilson at thinkingchristian.net. Just make sure it's uh, in your bulletin and in your online materials that this is the source from which you gain the material, if you use a lot of it, that is. That's it. This is Tom Gilson for the Thinking Christian podcast. I appreciate your listening. Thinking Christian Podcast is copyright by Thomas Gilson. For more information, visit the Thinking Christian blog at thinkingchristian.net.